so good. You may be seated. Jesus is really wonderful. Um, all right. Well, good morning. Sure. Yep. You can take your masks off. You know, let's get two things. You may be seated and you can take your masks off. Um, is anyone else's like clothes shrinking during COVID? You know, it's kind of, I think it's something in the washer, you know, like the water. Um, good to have you. Those who are on, joining in on YouTube, it's good to see you all. Uh, for those of you who are present here, we're excited. We're going to take communion today. And so under your seat is a little uh, package there. You don't have to grab it right now, but wanted to uh, tell you that's coming. Really excited about that. Like Jill said, at those at home, just encourage you to do communion together uh, wherever you are, with whomever you are with. Uh, and so really excited to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Again, I, it is the last week of August, which is, that's crazy. Right, and we're all kind of nervous about the fall. Uh, I'm really excited about the fall. So a few things I wanted to share before we get into today's message um, is that this is our last message in this series. And so I wanna remind you, uh, we have put together a website where you can ask questions and we do a Q&A after, uh, just because the nature of spiritual warfare is often personal. It's so you experience it different than others. And so if you have questions about what's going on in my life and how is this going or is, you know, is this in scripture and different things like you want to ask, today will be the last time we will do a Q&A. Just want to let you know about that. Uh, I'm really excited. Next week, we're going to start a new sermon series called Good Grace, looking at 2 Corinthians. So uh, if you are, you know, loving, coming ready uh, to, to Sunday's learning scripture, Please just start reading the book of 2 Corinthians. Wonderful book. Lots to tell you about community groups. Uh, community groups are where we seek to, like, you know, grow friendships, use our gifts, uh, be there for one another in this journey with Jesus. Sign-ups will begin, Lord willing, at the end of next week. Uh, they will officially start the week of the 21st. So we're going to let kids get back to school, which is closer to the 10th, 8th. Uh, and then we will have, most of the groups, by the way, will be... Uh, you can meet safely in their homes. There will be registrations within that group of how many can come. All of them will provide Zoom, and so they'll be safe and Zoom. Some groups will be Zoom only, but all the information will be on the website. Uh, also, Jordan will share more next week, but we're starting up Alpha again, which is so exciting because we want to see more people meet Jesus. We are the missionaries, the ambassadors of Jesus here. Alpha is one of those great opportunities to invite people uh, to that. Also, women's Bible studies, they're starting. We have one on Zoom and one in person. So lots of things to tell you about, ways to plug in, be together. Uh, as we've said in this series, when you think of the armor of God, don't think isolation, that you're on your own, trying to live your own Christian life with Jesus but we need one another, you know? Hebrew says, do not neglect to meet together. And so if you've just been in a tough situation, half of that, I promise you, is that we just, you need the community. We need one another. We're made uh, for each other. We're the family of God. Um, those of you who are new, welcome. My name is James, one of the pastors. Glad you're here, uh, especially if you're tuning in new. Okay, we're in our last uh, sermon in this series called Victorious God Winning in the Unseen Realm. The big idea has been we don't just in our lives have, uh, you know, emotional issues only, mental issues only, or we're not just having struggles with living for Jesus just in a, in a natural level, but we actually are spirit beings living in a cohabitated spirit world. There are demons, there is Satan, there are angels and we live in this unseen realm. And a lot of the battle intertwined with our own heart, with our own mind, is spiritual forces, is spiritual attacks, all of that. And so we've been talking about what are the different levels of spiritual warfare that God's people need to know about, that God's people need to be engaged with, and how do we have victory and access the victory that Jesus won on the cross for us? Because here's the big idea. The battle is over in the heavenly realms. It's like, you know, a good analogy would be like when, when World War II was over, it was declared over, the victory was won, but there were still some areas and camps that hadn't yet received the news and there's still stuff going on. Well, the enemy has received the news and he's still trying to fight before it's finally over. And so we don't just battle against flesh and blood, but here's the good news. 
Colossians 1 says, when Jesus died on the cross for our sin, and when Jesus rose again to give us new life, new creations, to give us forgiveness of sin, the Bible says he did this. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, and he put them to open shame by, what's our word? Triumphing, triumphing over him, over them in him. Okay, so victorious God, that's been the emphasis. And, and we've been looking at what is the weaponry that he's given us in Jesus to put on. Uh, and today we come to the last message. We're going to look at the last few verses and we're going to deploy all the armor through prayer. So let me read the text and then we'll get into it, all right? Good. All right, I'll, I'll pick up in verse 12 and then you can see verse 18 on the screen For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies. The evil rulers of the unseen world, these mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world, and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which we can, which, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then here's our verses today. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. What end? To praying at all times. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So let me just say as we get into the last of this armor of God in this last sermon, prayer is not the seventh armor that we have. Prayer is is the deployment of all of the weapons. So one Greek scholar pointed out that grammatically, both praying and keeping alert are connected with the verb stand, which is mentioned three times. In other words, here's what he's saying. Prayer is that which characterizes and permeates the whole of the Christian soldier's activity. So think about this. He's saying, take your stand praying. Put on the belt of truth in praying, in communion. Put on the breastplate of righteousness as you pray. So let me say this. The secret here is to pray for the positive, not primarily against the negative. Meaning this, Jesus never prayed how terrible it was that the reign of Satan was you know, active in the world. He prayed what? That God's kingdom come. He prayed that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, he, he, he came and he said the gates of hell will not prevail. And so uh, we must be less concerned about what demons can do to a Christian than what a Christian can do to a demon. Remember, we have Jesus. We have the authority of Christ in us. And so spiritual conflict is not just like, ah, let's hope we get through it, but we are taking the good news. We are taking the presence of Jesus, the kingdom of God. And as we advance, we're going to experience spiritual conflict. But Jesus has won. And so we activate and we appropriate all that Jesus has done for us. That's the armor of God. Okay, so I just wanted to say all that kind of, you know, intro, wrap-up, cool stuff. Let's get into the text. Uh, Let me pray if we're going to be talking about prayer, and uh, then we'll get into it. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you're a good dad. I thank you, Father, that you have just given us this time and this season because, Lord, you are showing us, God, where our battle, lots of our battles lie And you're showing us Jesus and what Jesus has done for us to appropriate the victories he's won, to use 
and continue to join Jesus in what he's doing and what you're doing in people's lives and those who are not yet believers and those who are just feeling trapped. I just, I thank you for this time and this series. I pray, Holy Spirit, that now as we talk about prayer, I ask that you would put now a shield of faith for us, God. As we pray, pray is just this this intimate and trust in your presence with you. And I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would help me now teach. I pray that you would now fill me even more with your presence and, and use the gifts you've given me. And I just pray for peace. I ask that your peace would now just rest on us. And I just, I pray, God, as we listen, that you would just really, really speak. And I thank you that you really, really love us. And that we're here, and I pray that even in the middle of this sermon, that you would share with everyone listening how much you really love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Notice he begins praying at all times. Praying at all times. Okay, this carries the idea that you and I are inadequate every time. And that's the most exciting, and let me say this, the best part as we go up against the enemy. See, the moment we are trusting in the actual presence of Jesus is the moment the demonic know they're done. Okay, this was how Jesus, who was 100% God and 100% man, modeled our authority and prayer life, okay? So Jesus, he was in continuous communion with the Father. The enemy had nothing on him. He even says that. So let me show you some verses because when I say, when you hear praying at all times, we need to look at the model of Jesus and how he walked with the power and the authority of the Father everywhere he went. So look at this, John 8, 28 to 29. I do nothing on my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. John 5.30, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. That's what Jesus says. Like Jesus, fully God, fully man. Praying at all times is about being inadequate at all times. Without him, we can do nothing. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now listen to what he says. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. To show you this, let me now show you this in action. Go to Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 35, and this will be on the screen, but if you have you know, a Bible, hugging your Bible, open it up, Mark 1, 35. I'm going to show you this. And rising very early in the morning... While it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he, what did he do? He prayed. He prayed. There's times where you're praying continuously. There's times where there's focused times in prayer. So Jesus is now communing with the Father. And look what happens. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. It's like, where is he? And they found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you. And he's not like, okay, sweet. I got to go do what everyone wants me to do. He knows what the Father wants him to do. What does he say? And he said to them, let us go to the next towns. Like, I already know what I need to do. That I may what? That I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. And then look at what marked Jesus' life. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, the God-fearing Jews, the church, and casting out demons. So this tuning to God at all times in prayer, this is really key, is, is first an admission that there's something greater than I am not able to do this without him. The armor of God going up against the victorious winning against the enemy, it has to be with Jesus. It has to be all Jesus. This is all about Jesus, okay? This is not about like, you know, us feeling strong because we can... You know, it's all about Jesus. The key is your relationship and communion with Jesus. It's interesting, in Peter's letter, right before he says, 
be alert. The devil prowls around you like a roaring lion. Right before he says that, he says this, cast your anxieties on me. Just get into my presence. Be constant in prayer is this continuous conversing with the Father in continuous friendship and prayer, relying at every move, pulling in the presence of Jesus, who is our warrior and champion, and you're getting every direction from the commander. Dallas Willard, this is my favorite imagery, and I I will always remember it. He uses the imagery of a live wire. So here's what he says. He says, disciples and friends of Jesus who have learned to work shoulder to shoulder with their Lord stand in this world as a point of contact between heaven and earth. So good. He goes on and says, this, as Hannah Hunnard so beautifully describes it in God's transmitters, is the role of the intercessor. Here, this will be on the screen. An intercessor means one who is in such a vital contact with God and with his fellow man that he is like a live wire, closing the gap between the saving power of God and the sinful men who have been cut off from that power. An intercessor is the contacting link between the source of power, the life of the Lord Jesus, and the objects needing that power in life. So here's what you need to know. The enemy, Satan and demons, Uh, they will try to keep you so distracted uh, in your own self-introspection, in your own fear, in in your own, man, what's off? What's wrong with me? Why is this so hard? What's this temptation? Oh, I just feel like, how come I can, so they just keep you in your head. Why? Because they don't want you in the live wire. The moment you access the presence of Jesus in live wire, they know they're done. So James 4, 7 We're talking about spiritual conflict, remember, and prayer. Listen to what he says. This will be on the screen. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then look at verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So let me put it this way. When we trust in the presence of Jesus in prayer, praying at all times, when we trust in the presence of Jesus in prayer, and we draw near to God, guess what he does? He comes to us in a very real presence. James 4 knows God's always omnipresent. This text is saying that there is a manifestation of the nearness of God. So, it's like you're saying this, okay? It's like you're saying this, right? You're under attack, and then you're like, whoa, whoa, wait. Uh, Demon, just let me just invite someone who beat you on the cross in the room. That's what you're doing in prayer. You're going under attack and you're like, I got someone you got to meet. He's really, he beat you on the cross. Boom, that's prayer. You should meet him, he disarmed you, and he's going to beat you. It's, it's, you never fear Satan and demons. We are to have an understanding that with Jesus, we have everything we need to go against the enemy. They don't like when I talk about that. So Hebrews 7.25 says this. Consequently, this is so cool, he is able to save the uttermost, those who draw near to God through Jesus. Now listen to what Jesus is doing. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. The Holy Spirit groans for us when we are in such trials and pains. And some of that, Romans 8 says, our our our. What can separate us from the love of God? Can, can the enemy? No. Uh, Will, William Cowper, he's a good lover of Jesus from before we were ever born, says this. Restraining prayer, we cease to fight. Prayer keeps the Christian's armor bright. And Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times. Okay, all times means in all occasions, in all kinds of warfare, in all, at every level. Okay, some will say, if you read commentators, they'll say in the spirit means the gift of tongues. So praying all times in tongues. Uh, I don't 
think that's what it means because elsewhere when it talks about how uh, we are to pray in the Spirit, it also means as the Holy Spirit prompts, as the Holy Spirit's leading uh, in your walk with the Holy Spirit, in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. However, I will say it could include that. And so I would encourage you, if you have the gift of tongues, to ask the Holy Spirit to just start using that gift anytime you're interceding for someone and anytime you're praying. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, that he speaks in tongues more than all of you. So I think he was constantly in tongues uh, against the enemy. As it pertains to specifically to spiritual conflict, let me say this. The key isn't the way we pray. Because some people, we look for like magic, you know, formulas or certain, not magic, magic's the wrong word. We look for like formulas or like, we're like, oh, I like how that person prayed. Again, the, the key to prayer is you're trusting as live wires in the victory and authority and dependency on Jesus. Like when you are praying, Jesus is present with you. It won't be the words, it will be him. Does that make sense? Yeah, good. Is everyone still with me? Okay, universal symbol helps me a little bit. Yes, thank you, okay. Remember, in Matthew 28 and in Mark 16, Jesus says to the church, not just to the disciples, I have given you all authority. Therefore, go. He says, I am with you. Sam Storms, who's on the, you know, the Council of the Gospel Coalition, who uh, actually helped me out, he gave me some of his notes on all of this sermon series. He says this, it's not God's plan to settle all our spiritual disputes apart from our involvement. Meaning this, he wants us to utilize the authority he's invested in us. He wants us to utilize the authority he's invested in us. We're ambassadors. We're not only gonna like, proclaim the gospel as Jesus did, we're going against the enemy as Jesus did. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 10, 19. Jesus says, I've given you authority so that you can overcome all the power of the enemy. Earlier, as he sent the disciples out, he says, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, he defined this authority as the power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases. So when you think of spiritual authority, it's the right and power to act and speak as if Jesus himself were present. So that's prayer. It's the live wire. We are simply stewards of God and what he's entrusted us. So it's not because we have, you know, like, it's not, it's not in ourselves, it's Jesus. So spiritual authority is cultivated in intimacy with Jesus. Spiritual authority will strengthen your faith as you're abiding in the vine. If our armor is on, we're putting on the person of Jesus, the works of Jesus, the truths of Jesus, and all of a sudden we're gonna walk in a greater authority with Jesus. So let me say it this way. If people, in, in your bringing the kingdom of God, if people are being helped, if people are being healed, if people are getting free uh, and they're growing deeper in their friendship with Jesus, that's not us, right? Like that's Jesus. Let me say it this way. Authority is for releasing, not controlling. When, we, when he says we demolish strongholds in 2 Corinthians 10, he actually says we do this by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. So the authority we have is actually Jesus in us. And prayer is almost, you're, you're carrying and, and bringing in the presence of Jesus. Um, and so, let me maybe give you some more practical thoughts here. Um, when, when I'm talking to people, peeper? Hello, peepers. Um, when I'm talking to people who I know who are going through spiritual conflict, I always begin with who they are in G. I always begin with, Father, will you now remind them that they are citizens of heaven? Would you now remind them that they are new creations in Christ Jesus, that you now call them friends? And so what is that doing? You're praying the live wire that's real. Uh, and then here's what I'll do. I'll actually read passages over them in prayer. Sometimes when I'm on the way to go meet with someone, I'll ask the Holy Spirit, is there a scripture that you want me to pray over this person? Um, and so one reason we need prayer in all the armor is this, shame uh, in the attacks that we go through, especially when we 
sometimes can't stand up under the attacks. When we feel shame, we feel defilement. How many of you, if you ever felt defiled, it's hard for you to pray? Anyone? It's just hard to pray. That's the enemy's goal. The enemy's goal is don't look at the cross. Look at how bad you are. Because if you look at how bad you are, you won't get the access in which you already have, everything in Christ. And so praying, listen to me, praying is the most powerful thing you can do in spiritual warfare. Praying is the most incredible weapon that we have. God, listen, listen, God governs the world through the prayers of his church. He just does. So if they, if they can keep you from praying, um, your battle is just you and in in, in whatever's going on in your life. Okay, now let me just say this. Remember, we're in a series um, about winning in the unseen realm. So we're applying this really specifically to demons, okay? If we were in a series on marriage, you, we would talk a lot about marriage. But, so when we're talking about praying, we're talking about engaging with others against the demonic spirits that are fighting for our souls to steal, kill, and destroy. So let me say this. I'll slow down, and I'll walk you to, into a time where I'm meeting with someone or there's a team, like a discipleship prayer team. And um, here's what's happening, okay? When, when I'm talking and listening to someone explain what they're going through, um, an issue and how they're doing, I'm praying. Like I'm praying the whole time. I'm praying that they would feel the love of the Father. I'm asking God to show me what's underneath, what's going on. And I'm listening, but I'm, a- I'm praying the entire time. I'm asking him, what does he want to do? I'll often ask questions like, Jesus, will you highlight to me while I'm listening where you want me to go? Because as Jesus is present with me, he is actually showing me where the spiritual conflict is. That's why you need to be praying at all times. So in that prayer, so I'm praying, I'm trusting Jesus' presence with me that he knows why we're meeting. He's actually the one intersecting it. He's actually the one that went first. I'm really trusting in the providence of Jesus that he knows what he wants to heal and that he will guide me the whole time. When you begin to pray, pray trusting in the presence of Jesus like that, the live wire will just happen. Sometimes in the conversation, we'll hit on something and we'll talk through it with the person, whether it's unforgiveness or, some, or something's going on. I'll even say to this person, let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything else he wants to bring to mind or show us about fill in the blank. So you're just praying at all times. When you're with people, you're relying in the presence of Jesus. You're trusting in prayer. You're constant in prayer. This supplication really does include a kind of praying where you get spiritual insight. Um, so let me show you this. This is an extraordinary example in Daniel. But if you, if you look at the book of Acts, they were always praying and listening and, and having the Spirit guide them along the way. Uh, so look at Daniel chapter 9. Okay, So again, remember, we're talking in the context of spiritual conflict this is a really clear example of it. So Daniel's praying, and he's praying with persistence, and he's praying on behalf of the nation for repentance. This is serious prayers, and Gabriel visits him, and the text says he gave him skill to understand the spiritual things. So he comes to him and says, let me tell you what's going on in the unseen realm. So this will be on the screen. This is what Gabriel says. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. The Holy Spirit will often do that. He's really, really in us. And when you're praying for someone who's going through something, he will give you understanding. Look at this. So so this is specific. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. This is really cool. And I've come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. He just, you know... He just wants to tell him God really, really loves you. He really hears your prayer. And I'm going to tell you a little bit what's going on. But first I want to tell you that you're greatly loved. I, don't know, I just think that's really nice. Um, by the way, that's often the first sense I get when I'm praying with people. I'll just be like, he really, really loves you. And he does. 
So do you, if you know the book, if you know the, I would encourage you if you want to have some good fun Bible afternoon reading, read Daniel 9 and 10. But in Daniel 10, you get to see this warfare. And by the way, there are some spirits that are bigger in a battle and you might need more intercessory prayer. But let me just show you this. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. I feel like there's some people either watching this or uh, in here right now, you need to hear that. Your words have been heard. And I've come because of your words. And then he just pulls Ephesians 6, even though it hasn't been written by Paul yet. He says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's a demonic spirit, withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was there left, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. This whole context is prayer. Prayer, prayer, prepare, prepare, prepare. Remember when Jesus prays for Peter, Jesus doesn't just declare, by the way. He doesn't say, hey, Satan demanded to have you to sift you like wheat, so I've just told him no, which he could have. He could have been like, no, and, I, and Jesus has the authority to say no to Satan, and Satan obeys. But what does he say? I have prayed for you. Like, it's just, he's just in the, everything he did was with the Father. He modeled for us how we access the victorious God. I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. So what does Jesus do? Jesus deploys the weapon of the shield through prayer. That's what we do. It's through prayer. Prayer's so exciting. I want you to be so excited about prayer. I want you to be like, I can't wait to pray. Pray, pray, pray. I'm going to pray right now. That's what you need to hear from this sermon, okay? Through prayer, you can also resist and rebuke in times of personal attack. You could say something like, in Jesus' name, I take authority. That's praying. And, and any unclean spirits present, Jesus now within me cuts you off. Jesus has triumphed over you in the wilderness, on the cross, and in the grave. His resurrection has sealed your fate. You need to leave. You go. You can do that when you're under personal attack. You can say things like, through the, blood and the, through the power of the blood of Jesus, I command all powers of darkness, if assigned to me, sent to me. I don't know if you're here, but if you're surrounding me, you leave. One pastor, he records this prayer for protection, I think is really good. Um, by the way, you parents, you do, this every, you do this a lot, don't you? Like when you pray for bad dreams or things like that, or if your kids, kids often experience spiritual conflict. Um, but we just say, in Jesus' name, you can't do that, right? We teach our kids. But here's one prayer. Lord, I, comm I commend and entrust, you know, you fill in the blank, the person, into your watchful care. May your glory surround and protect him or her. May you drive away the enemy and deliver him, deliver him or her from all evil and temptation and every attack of the evil one. Right? How do we know we did this? Jesus taught us to pray like this. What did Jesus say? deliver us from the evil one, right? So when you pray against Satan out loud, you're just being like Jesus, okay? Um, let me ask you this. Is the priority in your life when you're facing spiritual conflict, I'm inadequate? Let me ask you this. Are you truly trusting resting in putting on the presence of Jesus with you? Are you alert in spiritual conflict to the necessity of prayer? And the reason I ask you that question is because verse 18 says this, and it'll be on the screen. To that end, sure, this is for all of us. To that end, maybe, maybe it'll be on the screen. Keep alert with all perseverance making supplications for all the saints. Making supplications for all the saints. Um, yeah. You know, a part of me, I think for a long time in my ministry, 
even when I knew there was spiritual conflict, I can say, and I've, I've had to confess to the Lord, I, I've trusted more in me than in your presence with me. Like, let me ask you this. Can you confidently in prayer with a brother or sister in Christ, can you pray this, Jesus, would you now come and speak to this person? Do you really believe that he's there? That's my question to us. Jesus, what scripture would you want to share? That's live wire. See, for me in the past, I would scramble in my mind to think, okay, what verse, you know, uh, like what would my CG leader say right now? Um, And I'm not saying that's not helpful. The Lord can bring all that to mind, and he might bring a verse to mind, and he might bring what your CG leader says to mind, but is it, here's the question I'm asking you, is it our adequacy where we start, or is the, or is the life that we pray, or words we pray, are, we, are they coming out of a foundation of our enjoyment of God? Are we really trusting in his presence with us? Because you gotta remember, the goal of prayer is to be with a person you enjoy, who enjoys to be with you, who's died for your sin and rose again so you can have a relationship with him. He comes into you by his spirit so that you can walk by the spirit with faith and love. And let me say this, prayer wrapped in love is unbeatable. In the unseen realm. To clothe yourself in the good news isn't just to clothe yourself in the events of the good news. Okay, let me say that. When you're clothing yourself in the gospel, when you're putting on Christ, you're not just putting on facts about what Jesus did, but the goal in those events of the gospel is to bring you to God. And so when you're putting on Christ, you're really putting on the person and work of Jesus who really did die for your sin. He really did rise again. Those, those, those events are about connecting you to the person of Jesus. Like abiding in the vine and resting in the gospel is to rest in the person. The way the gospel writers and the way like Paul disclaims the gospel is he says you're in Christ Jesus. That's a real person. You're not just in, in facts or events that make up the gospel. You are in, in all of those events and facts bring you into the reality that Jesus is with you. And so praying at all times isn't just like pulling out a methodology. You're pulling out a person. You're connecting to the live wire of the presence of Jesus. Um, Let me close with this. I love this, by the way. Um, It's really beautiful and encouraging. Even the Apostle Paul needed the Lord's help in prayer as much as we do. Listen to what he says next. It's astonishing. He says this, and also for me, verse 19, pray for me. He's like, also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I love this. The context of warfare is placed for Paul in living out the kingdom of God in the context of sharing the gospel. He's wanting to share Jesus. And if you ever watched him share the gospel in the book of Acts, what does he do? He tells him what Jesus has done personally. So he actually testifies, I was this way. I was persecuting Christians. Jesus showed up. I went blind for a little bit. He came into my life. He's real. He's risen. And then he would preach, this is what he's done. This is what he did on the cross. This is what... It was awesome, but what is going on? There's something happening in fear. Maybe it's hardship, and he's, maybe the enemy's at work to shrink him back, and he goes, I need prayer too. I need boldness. I wanna, I'm not afraid. I need this. And notice, it's not negative prayer. It's not like the enemy's taking me. It's pray for boldness. Jesus is with me. The gospel happened. But he still needed prayer, right? If Paul needs prayer, we need prayer. So let me say this, when you start wanting to live out the kingdom, when you start saying, Jesus, I'm really an ambassador, I'm a missionary on the North Shore, I wanna share my faith, I wanna make Jesus known, I wanna invite someone to Alpha, I I wanna 
tell people that he rose, that you can have forgiveness and new life, when you start like inviting people over safely uh, to bless them or, or, or like give them some help or pray for the sick or encourage the brokenhearted, when you're using your gifts um, and you're serving one another, it's, that's kingdom. You're going to experience counterattack. And that's what this whole series has been about for me. Be strong in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 2.11, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Let me say, this is the last thing I'll say, sorry. And then we're going to actually pray together. Ooh, we're in church. Good luck. It's going to be awesome. Okay, the last thing, say good luck, it's weird. Okay, last thing is this. Um, hardship, trials, are not indications of demonic power or Satan and demons um, winning. Never think that. They're on a leash. God is sovereign. And the scripture promises us that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer. So we'll suffer for Christ. Actually, that's a win in the kingdom. Notice where Paul is. Verse 20, where is he? It'll be on the screen. I think. Maybe not. Where's Paul? He says, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Paul is in chains. Winning in spiritual warfare doesn't mean we don't suffer for the gospel. It's about what Jesus won on the cross. And who you are and how deeply loved you are and what he's doing to rescue more and more people. He knew that he was in chains to preach the gospel. And I think sometimes we feel like, oh, I don't know if I'm winning because I'm going through this suffering. If Paul needed the prayers of Ephesians so he would be strengthened to take up the sword, so too do we. So here's how I want to close. I want to close with an application of real intercession. So here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to lead us right now through real praying, the live wire. And I'm going to uh, specifically give us some things to pray about. I'll give us about 20 to 30 seconds. But if all of us started making intercession for the kingdom of God, this would be a good, this will be a good sermon. So those of you who are watching, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give us things to pray about. And then I just want us, I want you just to where you are, just start interceding. Whatever comes to mind, whoever comes to mind, uh, start praying, okay? And then I'll just lead us. There's about four or five, six items. I'll probably give 30 seconds to 40 seconds per each. But let's just stop right now. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to just come and rest on us. And then we're going to pray, okay? Okay? Yes. You guys, this is what, this is what we do. We pray. Okay. So, Father, I just thank you for this time. And as we close, we cannot close being hearers only of the word. But we want to close by being doers. And so we want to ask you that you would now come and be really, really present with us. So we invite you, Jesus, as we pray, we say we trust your presence with us. We say to you now that we know that you hear us. And so we're excited to see the kingdom of God come in and on the North Shore as it is in heaven. We want your will to be done. And so, Father, we first now want to pray for the youth and the teenagers and the young adults, both in our church and in our lives. So we want to now just intercede for the youth and teenagers and the young adults. Lord, would you now bring faces to mind?
So Father, we now want to just pray for the leaders, specifically the community group leaders and the elders. Yeah, Lord, where there's any heaviness right now on some CG leaders, I ask that you would come and show them the heaviness and just release them from it. I pray that you would just show them how deeply loved you are, how loved they are. So we want, let's pray for boldness for us and the churches on the North Shore to be ambassadors. Our mission here is to make Jesus known. So let's pray for boldness the way Paul asked. Let's pray now for marriages, marriages that are feeling distant, lonely, painful, or any of the enemies at work in marriages. Let's intercede. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would now bring specific couples to mind. Let's pray now for those who are single and our good friends, those who are just, they maybe have people around them but are just in a lot of loneliness. Yeah, Father, we just pray that they, that the friendship of Jesus would be so felt this week. That, that the armor of hope and of righteousness and just pray now for just the love within the shore that we're, that we're to build up and encourage. Just pray for opportunities for love and building up but just pray for the community. Lord, would you pour out your grace? Think of Paul's words to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus.
So Lord, as we go into this next item, I just ask for just protection over us and our family in Jesus' name. But now let's, let's take authority in Jesus' name and pray over any principalities present, cutting off like live wire, any, any schemes or designs the enemy has. We can pray against that. So let's pray against the enemy. And then lastly, Paul asked for prayer for boldness. And I, I really don't mean this to be selfish, but will you pray for me and my wife and my kids? And pray also for the elders their wives, and their kids. Amen. Amen. Uh, let me feel free to, if you want to fellowship, like it's a great, beautiful day today. Um, but we ask that if you are going to fellowship in here, that you keep a mask on. Okay. Let me pray. So, Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the ability with COVID and just not multiple services and the rush to be able to really love God's people. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would now just help me uh, be clothed with your wisdom and your love. And so I just confess I'm inadequate. Um, and so just guide us now. And I pray, Lord, for those who ask these questions, that they would feel really loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Q&R, first one. Question one. Where do angels, good spirits... Oh, that's a good question. Fit into the battle in the unseen realm. Demons can attack us, but how are angels involved? Can they influence us as demons can? Great question. You see throughout scripture in places like Hebrews, places like the book of Revelation, that angels are God's ministering spirits. I think you saw, we saw clearly in Daniel chapter 9 and 10, when we pray, who does Jesus deploy? Gabriel, Michael, uh, that there is, uh, I don't know the quantity, but equally the amount of good angels uh, that are there to love us, support us. I think many of the answers to prayer uh, come with in good angels answering us. It's interesting, in Hebrews, we're called to love other people and just with such hospitality, and we might be entertaining angels, which means they were there to intercede. They were there to help. They were there to love. So I actually, at times in dealing with spiritual conflict, which I didn't mention in the series, I will ask Jesus for angels. I'll ask for an angel to come now and be present. Uh, the first four sermons here, I asked for four angels in this auditorium. I don't know if they're there, but I can still ask. So I think we do need to, uh, I don't think it's ever our goal to focus on demons and angels in such a way that we lose our focus on Christ. So we trust that Jesus deploys them, but we go to Jesus. We're not praying to angels, but you can ask Jesus for them. But the Bible doesn't really, it does speak more to uh, the enemy's work. But let me give you another one. So, you know, uh, it was a dark time when Jesus was in Gethsemane. The enemy was right there. The devil thought he had them. And who did Jesus send to minister to Jesus? An angel. 
And so as Jesus prayed, an angel came and strengthened him. You see this in the book of Acts. The angels come and get people out of prison because of prayer. You see angels ministering constantly and continually. It would be a good idea to do a whole series on angels, like, the, like good angels, not just our battles against, you know, the enemy. So great question. I hope that kind of helped. But I would encourage you, especially in light of if some of this teaching is new, you'll start noticing angels everywhere. Like angels at the birth of Jesus, everywhere. Angels after Jesus' temptation with Satan, they come and help him. Like they come talk to him. Angels are all over scripture and they minister with God. So we thank you, Jesus, for your angels and the way you use them. Okay, next. Can a demon live within a born-again Christian? I have answered that in uh, the second sermon. So, So... Instead of opening that right now, just go listen to that. And then if you want to meet with me, email me. And, and just some of that has so many good que- questions you'll want to ask. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to answer that because I already have. Third, in your opinion, how constant are we experiencing, this is a good question, the devil's attacks versus the tension of our flesh and sinful nature? So I thank you. I appreciate the in your opinion. Because this is just my response. Um, I think that because he's called the God of this world, the enemy is behind and often intertwined in this world in such a way that he knows our old man and our fleshly desires. So Galatians, for example, talks about we have the spirit which wages war against the flesh. In Ephesians, I mean, in Ephesians 6, we have our battles not just against flesh and blood. And so I, my best response would be they're always intertwined, meaning I think if we give over to the flesh, the enemy will come in and aggravate, tempt. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our temptations, I think the enemy wants to just keep you out of the presence of Jesus in the gospel. And so he often will show up after we sin, I think, the most. But I think he's present quite a bit of the time. Because if you think about it, uh, he hates Jesus. And where does Jesus live in every Christian? He hates the image of God. Where does what does he want to destroy? Humanity. He came to seek, kill, and destroy. So when you start feeling something is in me that's trying to steal, kill, or destroy, it's probably a combination. My best advice is ask Jesus. Just ask him, what's going on right now? Is, is, just, is this just me or is there an attack? Would you show me? And he might not answer you right away, but all of a sudden maybe a friend will be like, hey, something weird has happened. Jesus told me to pray for you. And you're like, I think it's spiritual. Okay. And, and you know what? The call is to resist the devil. He will flee from you. He is a roaring lion waiting to devour you. So I think he's, I don't think there's a day that goes by where demons are not trying to influence and aggravate your day. So I would say every day. Next, can Satan demons read our minds? This is a good question. If they can speak into our thoughts, does that mean they can also hear Our thoughts, I don't know. I will say that they can speak to our minds quite a bit. Um, I do think if if you're in the third level of spiritual warfare and there's demonization, I do believe they can read your mind. But that's just my response that I don't have a verse. but I could be wrong. So I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. When are we as Christians most vulnerable? I think when you, when, I think the, honestly, the biggest work of the enemy is in the mind. I think we're most vulnerable when we don't have the mind of Christ. So I think when you begin to start drifting in your time with Jesus and spending time in his presence, that's when you're most vulnerable. It's temptation and kind of the really attacks that hit us will either hit us when we're ministering for others and the enemy hates it, or when it's like slow drips of drift, we'll drift away from God slowly 
and then we kind of get, we, we get away from his word, we get away from prayer, we get away from God's people, and then we're just sitting ducks, and it's, he'll just come in. So th- that's what I would say. You're most vulnerable when you're on Jesus' mission and the kingdom of God is coming and you're doing the works of Jesus. When you're praying for someone, when you're, when you're sharing the gospel, you are most vulnerable. And when you're not close to Jesus at all, you're most vulnerable. Those are the two, my best answers. Next, how and when is a good way to introduce this topic with young children? I would say the, as early as you can when they can comprehend. And the reason is, is because they will experience, it's unfortunate, but oftentimes in my experience with people and helping people through spiritual conflict, usually the demonic stuff started at a really young age. And you just, you know, I, I think I mentioned this in a Q&A before, but it, there, you need to share, like, there are some good angels and there are some bad angels, and Jesus won. Just keep talking to them about Jesus. Let them know how much Jesus loves them. Let them know that Jesus won on the cross. Let them know, like, you know, I always tell my kids, you have, a, you have power and authority to tell any of, those, any of those lies you hear. Like, my youngest says, Jesus, my, my youngest says, a bad She's only five. She said, a bad fairy told me that Jesus isn't alive. I was like, okay, what does the Bible say? Jesus is alive. All right, you tell the bad fairy that Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is alive. And then you tell the bad fairy to go where Jesus sends him. She's like, okay. She's casting out, I don't know if it's true or not. She's like doing deliverance in her own room, not like from herself, but like she's kicking them out like almost every night. So I don't know. But I would say early. It's, it's, it's real to them. Let me just say this. It's, it feels scary, but when you tell them about Jesus and his presence with them, it's better to tell them young before they go through something. Especially if you know your, your so like young teens, different, uh, maybe, let me say like middle school kids, if, they're, if you're starting to experience thoughts you know are dark, you start hating yourself, you, you have gone through any f- kind of abuse, um, that if you've never taught, that could be spiritual. And no one ever comes into your life to like work on that level of being a human being, like spiritual conflict, that, they, that just gets intermixed and you don't know, you just, so I would encourage you as young as you can, at least let them know that if they experience stuff, that we live in a spiritual world. Yeah, so I hope that helps. Okay, Second Corinthians, I mean, uh, question seven. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul seems to be afflicted by a demon. This is a great question. Calls a thorn a messenger from Satan. When he pleads to be free, God says no. Apply to deliverance today. Good, such a good question. Um, there will be times where if God sees... There is something in your life that um, is going to drift you from him. In this case, like pride. Uh, Like Paul, you know, was caught up to the third heaven. He saw some beautiful things. He heard some things that he should not say. And, And the Lord could see this was going to lead to a place where he wouldn't be as dependent, as humble. And I think the Lord will allow uh, a demonic spirit to torment us because it's going to get us to be more like Jesus. If a demon is hindering your sanctification and getting in the way of your worship of Jesus, then Jesus would often raise up someone and do deliverance so that you can grow in your sanctification. Um, But, you know, that one's tough to know. I will say this, like, um, look at Peter's temptation. Jesus allowed Peter to actually fail. He could have prayed and not allowed the enemy to go after and tempt and let Peter sin. But he knew in the sovereignty of God that he allowed the permission of, the, of Satan to tempt Peter so that when he got back up, the church would be stronger. The church would be strengthened. He would now have that beautiful encounter with Jesus at the fire. And so the question is like, like, was that good of the Lord to allow the enemy to do that? The answer is yes, right? It was Satan's idea, 
and, and part of Satan's design to see Jesus crucified, and that was God turned that for good. So can God use demonic spirits in our lives to grow us? Yes, and I think there are times where, you know, for example, physical infliction might be uh, in your life, and it could be demonically sourced to make you more like Jesus. Again, it's so tough to discern. Every person's different. But I think if it's going to hinder your sanctification, and it's better that you have this kind of infliction, and the source is maybe a demon, that, you, that God will speak to you about that. He will. Like, he spoke to Paul. He said to, to him, this is what's happening, and it's because of this. And that was a good, Paul's like, fine. But when Paul sees people being inflicted and hurt, like, you know, the person who's getting healed in one of his sermons, he looks it over and he's like, he has faith to be made well. The Lord didn't want him to stay like it's suffering so that he could grow character, although that's one way we grow character. He, he just saw him and said, you know what? You're healed in Jesus' name. And that made that person grow stronger. It's, that's a very complex question, and I hope I did my best to answer it. Um, any more? That's it. Okay. Love you. Love you guys. Thank you.